We will continue what we are learning in the Holy Letters of the Balatanya, letter number 12. What the Shir is in the Schos, Rufu Shalema of Hinda Bastabarachal. We are learning this letter, which is and the act of charity brings peace in the world. And the obsession with charity and compassion brings a guaranteed tranquility that's never-ending and everlasting. And we are going in deep into the difference between these two. And we are explaining that in order to appreciate the enormous revolution and revelation that the Balatanya gives over here in this letter, <clears throat> we need to see and go deep into the essence of compassion. The essence of compassion is, as we explain, compassion is the core of the Jewish heart. The purpose of this world is that God wanted to create a world where he can give compassion. The reason for all the reasons the secret for all the secrets is compassion. And that's why every time we describe the Torah, we say, Rahmona, the, the compassionate one has written. The whole purpose of the Torah is to generate compassion. And that means to reveal the core of every single Jewish man and woman and child's heart, which the core of everyone's heart is the essence of compassion. And we are explaining that this is the most magical and majestic secret of marriage. And to understand this in a macro sense, to understand this in a sense where we could zone in and zone out at the same time. Because the difference between Kabbalah and Chsidis, the difference between Kabbalistic terminology and Hasidic philosophy, Hasidic discourse, Hasidic revelation is that Kabbalah was talking in the realms, the upper realms, in the multiverse, in the area of dimension of reality that's very far from our perception. 
And Hasidic philosophy takes you into space, psychologically, spiritually, into heaven, deep into the heavenly abodes, the mystical revelation of what's going on in the kingdoms of heavens. And at the same time that it takes you with a telescope beyond this world, it brings you right back into this world and then says what you saw up there, let me show you how this is your reality. In fact, let me take you deep into your reality and let me show you microscopically. Let me give you microscopic vision, which means to microscope something, means to put it under a lens, aspaclaria meira, to put it under a magnifying glass, and to put it under a microscope, which is a multi-multi-magnifying glass, to magnify what you're watching, and then to zone out and to see your life, and then to even zone out further, to take binoculars and to see it hovering above your life, and then to even zone out even more to go into heaven, and then to zone out even more to go into all the heavens, and then to be able to see the whole panoramic picture together, microscopically, magnifying glass, in a magnifying glass, your reality the way you have it today, your binoculars to see a little further out, and then to see the enormous picture of history. And to see them all together unfolding in front of your eyes. And that's the majesty of Hasidic philosophy. To be able to see that the purpose of our life is compassion. The purpose of everything is compassion. And to understand that in my marriage. To understand that in my relationship with God. To understand that in my relationship with the poor man. To understand that in my relationship with my children, in my relationship with my friends, in my relationship with my community, in the relationship between the whole Jewish nation with each other. And to see this in its enormity, is the most magnificent thing in the world. And over here, the Balatanya is explaining something fascinating. Which is one of the great secrets of marriage, which is the secret of compassion. Marcham, when we say Merachim, we say bitter heat. To give compassionately means to give from a place of suffering. We say, I don't want your love, I want your passion. But passion means, comes from the word pati in Latin, which means to suffer. We say, I want Avarabha. Avarabha means an unconditional, passionate love. 
When we say I want the Yud Gimamidas Harachamim, that husband and wife are supposed to create the Rachamim in the home. Doesn't mean that the husband says to the wife, have mercy on me. To Rachmanis on me. Or the wife says to the husband, have Rachmanis on me. Which is a misconception and a confusion of the word Merachim. Merachim means to create Rachmanis, to create the Yud Gimomidas Harachim, it means Shechina Shruya Benayim. It means the divine energy of the compassionate God, Kosov Rachmana. When we say that the compassionate one has written, when we say the all merciful, doesn't mean mercy, we plead for mercy. In this sense, we mean compassion, means to suffer with another person, means to give with every fiber of your being. That's what it means to suffer with another person. To not give somebody superficially. And what does that look like? Explains the Holy Balatanya over here, something unbelievable. That the difference between a man and a woman is the difference between quality and quantity. A woman has two sides to her. And when we are talking about woman, we are not talking only about the gender of the woman. We are talking about the cosmic woman. The cosmic woman means the all-magnificent woman. Which means the first woman. Which means Adam and Chava, even before they were split in half. Adam, the first Adam, when they were Siamese twins. That Adam, we calling him Adam. But he was only Adam al-Elyon. He was only a mirror image. A physical and spiritual mirror image of the ultimate divine. Infinite energies. Which means there was God, the way he was limited to ten energies. His Chachma, which we explained is the Torah. His Gvura, which we explain now when we see the world is his Gvura. This is his measure for measure world that covers up on who he is. His Chesed, which is all the prosperity that he gives the world. So we have God's infinite energies that are we almost can't contain them in this world. And then man created man, the supernal man, the infinite God, created the first human, which was known as Adam. And this is where it gets a little complex because Adam really was Chava. When you're looking at Adam and Chava, and they get split up. You have Adam, which is the man, and you have Chava, which is the woman. But holistically, cosmically, before Adam and Chava were split up, when Adam and Chava were one person, Siamese twins, right side of the face was a male face, left side was a different face, was a female face. 
That was the human, the first Adam that contained Adam and Chava. That Adam was not really Adam. That was not the first man. That was a mirror image of the divine. That Adam means Adam al-Eliyad, a reflection of the ultimate God, a reflection of the infinite God. That Adam, Yitzir Kapo Shalakadosh Baruch Hu, he was the product and the handiwork of God. God blew his soul deep into this Adam. God formed him. He made him in God's image. He formed him from his own ten energies. God is infinite energies. Just like all of us, we have infinite energy. When we're born, we have infinite energy. Our organs are not ready to cultivate that energy. Man and woman. But we have infinite energy. Where do we get that from? We get that from God. God is infinite energy, but he decided in this world, he wants to narrow himself down to intelligence, to emotions, his heart, and to being contained in this world, which is the torso. Because that's what God decided. That's what he wants. He's not limited to 10 energies, but he wanted to limit himself to 10 energies. Intelligence, which is primarily the Torah, how he's going to interact with the world. Heart which is the way we're going to feel him, we're going to give to each other, give and take, and the body, the torso, which is going to hold him. So God, before he created this world, was infinite, something we can't understand. The most similar thing we have is a child's born. Everyone loves a child, but a child's infinite energy in a body. Before he even smiles, everyone's pr- it's precious because you're looking at infinite energy. You're looking at like the world before the world was even created. So you have God before the world was created, or even when the world was created, before Adam was created. And that's God's ten energies. He's creating heaven and earth. He's creating everything. But it's infinite energy. It's like a baby. We can't even relate to it. And then on the sixth day of creation, he creates Adam. Adam and Eve is one Adam, is Adam. But this Adam, you think it's man. You think it's masculine. It's actually fully feminine. Adam and Chava is really Chava. Chava as opposed to Hashem. Adam, 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 this first man, was a reflection of God. A physical reflection. Means a feminine reflection. Means a Chava reflection of the first Adam. Which is Adam Elion. Which is Adam Alakise. Which is the ten energies that God led himself to. Which is very hard to understand. Because you look at a baby. You see the ten energies. You see the head. You see the heart. You see the whole body. That's ten energies. The head contains three energies. The heart contains another six energies. And then the torso. But there's no expression of those energies. It's just a baby. So we cannot relate to God beyond our physical relationship to him through ourselves, which means that we, all 15 million Jews, are a reflection of God's image. Now, the first person that was ever created was Adam. And that person was a Siamese twin. He had a male element and a female element. But even his male element and even his female element was only a reflection of the then energies of God. That means the first man was really a female. 
The reason why this is important is because all of us Jewish people reflect that first Adam. We happen to be broken up now between male and female. We happen to be broken up all the time between giver and receiver. Which means essentially that part of us reflects God and part of us reflects the Jewish people. And this is where it gets very deep and you need to focus tremendous attention to order order to appreciate the secret over here in marriage. The first man was created as Adam. Adam and Chava, one Adam. But it was only a reflection of God. So God said, how are you going to fully understand that it's me? How are you going to fully understand that you were created in my image? I will tell you how. Because I will create you in a way that you yourself, Adam, before you're split in half, you're a man and you're a woman, you're one Adam, the man part of you reflects me. And the woman part of you reflects you. So even you yourself, Adam, the first Chava, the first female, which is looks like you're a man, you have a masculine side of you, which means a giving side of you, a soul side of you, and you have a body side of you, which means a container part of you. And even you in yourself contain the similar idea of what I want to do with the world. Because who am I? I am the Nisham of all the Nishamas. I have the soul of all the souls. But there's nothing to contain me. Nothing can, can, can contain me. But I created a world because I want to be contained in this world. So what did I do? I created you in the same image of me. Before the world, I could never be contained. But I created the world because I want to be contained. So I made you in a way that you have two sides. You have an Adam side, which is a masculine side, a male side. And you have a female side, which is a body side. Not only that, I will split you guys in half. Because me and you are being split in half. Me meaning God and the Jewish people, you're being split in half. So all the time, you and your marriage, you and your life with your poor man, rich man, giver, receiver, some of you are going to reflect me and some of you are going to reflect you. And all the time, you're going to have to see microcosmically, microscopically, binocular-wise, telescopically, panoramically, you will have to see it all the time. That what I want to convey with this creation of the world is, I want to show you what I want with the world. I'm infinite, but I want to be contained in this world. And therefore, I'm going to create you similar to me. And this is where it gets so complex because it demands tremendous, tremendous meditation. All masculine, all male, all giving represents God. And all receiving, all containing, all body, all nurturing, all inward represents the Jewish people. But rachamim, compassion means not only that I give to you, but that the body gives to the soul just as much as the soul gives to the body. The female element will give to the masculine just as much as the masculine gives to the female. Why? Because when I tell you I want you to hold me because I can't be held in this world, that means by you holding me, you're giving me. When I tell you that I want to give to you, don't you think by me being able to give to you, I'm getting so much more because I want to be contained. What do I want? You understand? We're always thinking that the female element, the Jewish people as the collective woman, we want from God. But what do you think God wants from us? 
He wants from us to give him back. He wants to also make us into givers. He created the first man as both male and female, but primarily male, but really female, meaning to say that you're a receiver, you're a receiver for me, but you look like me, which means that you're also male. You contain both the giving and receiving elements. So you have to understand that the real compassion means that the giver becomes the receiver, but more importantly, the receiver becomes the giver. And that's where we see something enormous. We have to go very deep into this. When you give to a poor man, you are essentially the woman of God. You're the rich man or the rich woman. And you find a poor man or a poor woman. And now you've taken the giving side of this Adam, both male and female. And you're giving to the receiving side of this Adam, both male and female. And now what does the poor man do different than the rich man does? The poor man yearns for the money. The yearning allows him or her to have tremendous satisfaction from that money. Tremendous chuka. When you have a yearning and you fulfill it, when you're hungry, when you're thirsty, and you quench the thirst. The ability to quench the thirst is only by the poor man. And when a rich man sees the quenching of the thirst by the poor man, then he's able to quench his thirst as well. He suffers with the poor man. He's able to quench his thirst. To quench is only by a true receiver. So in the collective consciousness, we are the man and the woman of God, but we are the woman of God. Whoever is giving still represents God. Whoever is receiving is quenching. So when the man connects fully with the poor man, then the man is also able to quench his own thirst. You understand? Rich man and poor man come together. The same things in marriage. Husband and wife. The goal is not for the husband to give to the wife. The goal is for the husband to narrow himself down, to give to the wife. And for the wife to raise herself up, to lift herself up. To want to quench her thirst. So they both can quench together. They both can feel that yearning together. They can create merachim. They can create compassion. They can create this passionate love where she is narrowing down. She is frustrating all that love, making it real. But together she gives it back to them. She rebounds back that love. She gives him a quality love that he never knew possible because he's only quantity. He needs quality in his life. He needs he needs to quench. He needs to satisfy. He needs chukka. He needs tainug. He needs to feel what it means that love becomes real. Just like she will give him a child. Just like she will give him food. She makes it real. The same thing we make God's kindness real. When we take for ourselves and we make ourselves selfish, we're creating the masculine element. It's almost like before the world was created. But when we share what we have with the poor man, We quench our own thirst. We discover qualitative. Did you ever eat on the same table with a poor man and see how he enjoys your food so much more than you could ever enjoy it? And then you're able to also enjoy your own food. That is the secret of qualitative giving. Qualitative giving can only come when you suffer with the poor man. When you suffer with the poor man together with him, then it becomes giver and receiver all the time. The poor man's giving you so much more than you're giving him. And in that space in marriage, it's the same thing. Our marriage with God, we're giving to God. When we engage in giving to each other all the time, then God says, I want to give to them because over there is quality. 
Because the woman's responsible for the quality. The woman, meaning the Jewish people, were responsible for the quality of God's giving. And that wakes up God to give us so much more. So we're in a state of shalom bias, husband and wife, giver and receiver, where the wife becomes the giver and the husband becomes the receiver. So they're both giver and they're both receiver. Hashem says, I want to be over there. I want this interchangeability where the merachim is created, which means the receiver is the giver. The gvura becomes the giver. The qualitative giving, the frustrating, passionate love. You're not giving from a space. You're giving from a space of pleasure, of chuka, of tainuk, of a tremendous... You, you fulfill, you quench the thirst. You know, a hungry person who eats and then satisfies the hunger, that's a tremendous qualitative receiving, which is giving. And a man who's totally disconnected from reality will never experience that if he's not about making his wife have enjoyment, if he's not about making the poor man have enjoyment. He never could touch that enjoyment, the qualitative enjoyment. And the Abisher says the same thing, I created the world because I want the qualitative enjoyment. I want you to give me back and then I'll give you more because I want my giving to become real. I want everybody in the earth, all 15 million Jews to be giving to each other all the time. And that's the secret of the passion and the obsession of compassion that he's talking about in this letter. To be in a state of obsessively, compassionately giving is to usher in a deep, most profound compassion from God because that wakes up. When you do act like that, that wakes up from deep within the mashbia, deep within God to want to give us so much more than we ever expected. And that's what he says. That's a never-ending, everlasting compassion from God. And in that space, compassion has been born because both the Jewish people, which is the woman of God, which represent both a male aspect and a female aspect, are giving to God. And God is taking his male aspect, which is far beyond this world, and he's bringing it down deep into this world. And whoever is engaging in a space of compassion, whether it's you and your your wife, or a wife and a husband, or whether it's a community, or whether it's rich man or poor man, if you're engaging in this compassion, then Hashem says, I will take my kuchabrichu, I will take my part of me that's way beyond this world, and I will narrow it down to shechina, I will become present in your life, I will make the miracle of compassion in your life, I will bring it deep into the quenching, deep into the satisfaction, deep into the chuka, deep into the qualitative element, of your feminine form, of your receiving, because I know you want to give. You want to give back to me. You want to give back. You want to be in a space of giving all of you, both man and woman. You want to be givers. If you want to be givers, that's the purpose of the world. I wanted to make you givers. To be, Compassion means to make the feminine become the giver. And that is a never-ending, everlasting tranquility.